Hey everybody, welcome back to A Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as we love to say, the show that helps you grow. My name is Jason, and today we are going to be rewinding another old episode of Doable Discipleship. This one was originally released on October 15th of 2019, and this is a conversation with our good friend Ken Ba, who we've had on the show a bunch of times, and this episode is called Resting in the Generosity of God. It's talking about why does God take the Sabbath so seriously? What's the big deal with us needing to rest? It's a great conversation that I did with Doug Jones um, and with our good friend Ken Ba. So I hope that you take a listen to this one. We will be back next week with a brand new episode of Doable Discipleship talking about thankfulness. Appropriate. It's Thanksgiving. I hope that you guys are are getting ready for Thanksgiving and getting into that mindset of thankfulness and gratitude. We'll talk all about that next week too. So friends, enjoy this conversation with Ken Ba on resting in the generosity of God. Ken, welcome back. It's great being here. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for being here. I mean, we welcomed you in the door, but now we're going to uh, get to jump into this conversation on uh, on resting in the generosity of God. We're excited to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so just to start us off, why does God take Sabbath so seriously? So what's the big deal with Sabbath anyway? Yeah, that's a great question. A couple things to maybe consider. For us as New Testament believers, the Sabbath isn't uh, commanded of us. It was a, it was part of the Old Covenant. It was commanded of the Jews. Uh, for us, I think there are principles in the Sabbath that are very ap- applicable, and I think we need to really pay attention to those. So we can talk about those. But a couple of reasons why it was such a big deal is uh, God modeled it. In Genesis chapter two, so after six days of creation, he took that seventh day and rested. And he didn't rest because he was tired, right? He's omnipotent. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not like ah, it's, it's time to kick back in my uh, easy chair there. <laughs> yeah, I, and so I think part of us being created in His image and likeness has some. There's some implication there that we're more. We are more than what we do, and when we when we observe Sabbath, when we look at rest, I think we're acknowledging in part that we're more than the sum of our doing. Hmm. And I think God, God obviously modeled that. The other thing is that in Exodus 31, God said to Moses that the Sabbath was a sign of the covenant between he and the nation of Israel. Hmm. There was no other nation that God... Uh, you know, commanded to keep the Sabbath. So again, there's something here that I think is for all of us, but was unique to the nation of Israel as the people mm. of God. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to explore that more. Um, I think when a lot of us think of the Sabbath, we just think like it's the, it's the one day a week where you're not supposed to do anything. It, it's basically just a day off, but, but it's a lot more than that. Can you explain the difference between Sabbath in the biblical sense and just taking a day off? Yeah. So I think I think the idea, I mean, the word Sabbath, the Hebrew word Shabbat, 
really means to cease from labor. Good, I got that right. Oh. Jason said that in the intro. Yeah, <laughs> oh, okay. And I missed that because I was late. So no, 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 right. no, no, no. You were good. He's just glad to hear that he was pronouncing it. Right. That's true. <laughs> so it's to cease from labor. So the idea yeah. essentially it means to rest. And but the 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 interesting thing about rest is that rest isn't some passive thing. It's an active process. Mm. It takes effort to rest. Mm. It takes planning to rest. So rest isn't just the sensate the cessation of activity. There's something else going on here. There's something more robust. And so uh, I think when we're talking about Sabbath, and maybe Jesus alluded to this in Matthew 11 when he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, yeah. and I will give you rest. He's. It's interesting because the wording there, he actually says uh, to take my yoke, up, you know, my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. Yeah. So there's something going on here in soul rest that is more than just physical cessation from activity because we're physically tired. Hmm. It makes me think a a little bit about, um, you said something earlier that like we have this kind of this constant toiling attitude and, and, and uh, it kind of makes me think of something that I recognized in myself a while back that, I felt like I was trying to justify my existence through my achievements and through my actions. And Sabbath kind of creates an opportunity to halt that for a little bit and regain a, a, a healthy look at our relationship with God, which I'm excited to explore with you more as we go. Yeah, I was going to say too, it's instead of, uh, of your focus is so much on what you are doing and doing and doing, it gives you a chance to focus on being, which is mm. kind of which is really nice too. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I remember years ago when Pastor Rick started talking about purpose, uh, it was before he wrote The Purpose Driven Life, but uh, in those early days, the essence of purpose was first to recognize uh, your love for God and God's love for you. Mm -hmm. So that all of our doing essentially comes out of our being. Our Mm -hmm. identity isn't wrapped up in what we do or our vocation or our occupation. Mm -hmm. It's wrapped up in who we are in Christ as his sons and daughters. Mm. And so I think uh, regular rest and this idea of Sabbath is a way for us to practice leaning into our human limitations Mm. and trusting God as our provider yeah, and our sustainer. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So so, I, I talk about that a little bit more as we talk about and this connection between Sabbath and faith. Yeah. What's that bridge there? Yeah. So let, let's just kind of go back to the Old Testament and set some context. Yeah. The very first time Sabbath is used isn't until like Exodus 16. And it was around the uh, instructions for manna. Mm-hmm. So the idea was God will provide for you what you need for your daily needs And on the sixth day, he'll give you a double portion so that on that seventh day, that Sabbath day, you don't need to do any work. Mm -hmm. So it was a way, again, of God reinforcing for his people that he is the one that is our provider. He is the one that will care for us, that we don't have to take matters into our own hands. We don't have to work ourselves to a point of exhaustion Mm. that that he is going to provide for us. And I think that is essentially uh, one of the key points that made the... Uh, Israelites different from all the other nations of the world is that uh, I am your God, I am Yahweh, I am 
Jehovah Jireh. I am the one that provides for you. I am the one that cares for you. I am the one that protects you. So you don't need horses. You don't need chariots. You don't need mm. all of these other things because I'm the one that will take care of you. So mm. in the early days before Saul, it you know Israel was governed by a theocracy that God was their king. Mm -hmm. And then we know where that goes, right? That goes <laughs> south real fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I really do think that it's a way of, for us today, to exercise our faith muscle by realizing, you know what, I don't need to work 24-7. I can take that day off mm -hmm. because God is going to be the one to provide for me. The other thing that's interesting, if you go back to the creation account in Genesis 2, the seventh day was the only day that God blessed. Mm -hmm. He actually oh. set it apart. He sanctified it, which means to make it holy, which means to set it apart. Yeah. So... There's there's so much in this that goes way beyond just a physical rest, you know, a vacation even, yeah. uh, so that, or to catch up on my sleep or what have you. It's really an opportunity for us to focus on our relationship with God, who he is. So his character and attri attributes are reflected mm. in this as well as who we are as his sons and daughters. Mm. It's, it feels, tell me if I'm wrong, but it, it feels like um, one of the like essential principles that underlies um, Sabbath is this is kind of similar to what underlies the the practice of giving a tithe, that there is a setting aside of something that you could use, f that you could use pragmatically to accomplish something or to get ahead or that sort of thing or to gain more wealth or whatever. Um, but you're instead setting it aside and saying, I'm going to trust you rather than trusting in, in my possessions. I'm going to trust in you, God, or rather than trusting in my labor, as in the case with the Sabbath, I'm going to trust in you, God. Do you see, is there a parallel yes, there? I, I, I think you're definitely on to something. So think about this. Uh, there was a rhythm for the Israelites. So every six years, they were allowed to sow and harvest their crops. On the seventh year, that was to be a Sabbath year. That where they were, they had to let the ground, ground lie fallow. Mm -hmm. So God said, I'll provide double portion of the harvest in the seventh year, going kind of going back to the whole manna thing, right? God is mm -hmm. so consistent and so cool. Yeah. And uh, then on the uh, 50th year, after seven of these Sabbath seven year cycles, that 50th year was the year of Jubilee. Mm -hmm. In the year of Jubilee, that was like a whole year of celebration, a whole year of worship and, you know, essentially partying. I mean, jubilation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God is into parties, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, a, a time of worship and reflection. But one of the things, and this gets to your point, Doug, one of the things that uh, happened on the year of Jubilee is that all of the property that you might have purchased from Jason, yeah. if it was your, you were your the ancestral original owner, lands, now yeah. it goes back to you. Hmm. And again, I think this is reinforcing the fact that. Uh, God is saying, I'm going to be the one to take care of you. You don't mm. need to amass wealth. You don't need to amass yeah. massive amounts of property mm. uh, in order to be secure. I'm going to be the one to take care of you. And so he had all of this stuff kind of in place mm. in order to be a reminder. There was a system that was set up mm. that would facilitate this recognition of human limitation, of our dependence upon God, and then of God's goodness, of his sovereignty, of his yes. character. Yes, yeah, provision. It, mm. All of that is mm. all packed into this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, God, like, it sounds like God really created a structure for Israel that caused them to lean on him as their, if not, 
literally, certainly figuratively, as their daily bread. Yes. You know, yeah. leaning on him as, as father and provider. And you see it continuously. He continuously brings yeah. this into play in, in his relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to see how, how Sabbath and faith go together because I'm, if, I, if, I just, if I make the choice to Sabbath, to, to cease my labor, then I am, in my mind, I'm also giving up whatever I think the fruit of that labor would be as well. So there's definitely an, uh, it's easy to see that that's an act of faith because now I got to trust God yes. instead of trusting myself. But, uh, but what about as an act of worship? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it gives us, again, if you go back to even the, the garden account in Genesis, right? Essentially, there was limitation put on Adam and Eve to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Mm-hmm. One limit, one boundary, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it was a reminder, I think, to both Adam and Eve, again, of a lot of the things that we're talking about. To live in the context of our human limitations is an act of worship because it's essentially recognizing that God knows what he's doing mm-hmm. and that he created this order. He created this system. He created us as human beings to need relationship with him, to be dependent upon him because he knows what's best. He's able to provide. Hmm. And if we will just learn, and this is one of the things I think is applicable to all of us today, if we will just learn that we can trust him to be our provider, Hmm. it will produce a different quality of life that Hmm. is not about striving. It's not filled with stress and anxiety and, oh my gosh, am I going to have enough when I retire and all of these things. And Mm. I'm not saying that it's not a good thing to plan and to be a good steward and all that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I think a lot of times what we mark up to good planning is really driven by fear more than it is by faith. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. And then in the New Testament, it, it's clear that Jesus kind of dials this up another notch when he starts using all this fatherhood language referring to God and this idea that your father in heaven knows all your needs and there's no need to toil. Look at the, you know, he appeals to nature. Look at yeah. the lilies, look at the birds. Yeah. And so Jesus took this from purely a, from a commandment level and brought it down to something that was really, really relational between the believer and, mm-hmm. and their heavenly father. And, and in addition to that, and this is really cool, that the Sabbath is has been redefined under the new covenant. Yeah. So if you go to Hebrews 4, right, there is a Sabbath rest that is now available to us in Christ. Mm-hmm. So the old order of things has now been replaced, and the inauguration of the new creation, I think, came about at Jesus' resurrection. Mm-hmm. So now Jesus, having fulfilled the law perfectly, Right, and Paul in Galatians four and Colossians two talks about how uh, these things are foreshadows of what is to come. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was it was all pointing to Jesus, and now He is the fulfillment of all of that. So now our relationship with Him, being in Him, we actually have the capacity to live out of our relationship with Jesus into a moment by moment rest with mm-hmm. God. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really cool. So I, I, I think there's a, a lot of people, a lot of times, myself included, that completely understand, you know, and see like this is this is a great idea. I love, I love this. God, I, I should make this a part of my life, and yet we continue to struggle with it. So 
talk a little bit about why it's so difficult to keep a regular Sabbath into into our schedule or in yeah. our lives. Well, and to be honest, I struggle with this too. So I'm not talking about this because I've arrived. <laughs> Uh, this last month has probably been the most out of balance month in my last <laughs> 24 months. I'm going to fire my admin assistant until I realize I am my admin assistant. So, um, yeah, I, you know, Jason, I think part of it is the obvious stuff that our culture places a high value on productivity. Yeah. And rest looks like sloth. Mm. Rest looks like being lazy. Mm. Uh, there's not a value in the world system for rest. Mm. That's why I think it's incumbent upon us as the people of God to not live according to the pattern of this world, to live differently. And one of the ways, and this may be just a really easy way, is that we uh, practice Sabbath, not because we're commanded to, because Jesus fulfilled all of that, but because as Jesus even said in Mark two, that, uh, that, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it's it's beneficial to us, physically, uh, emotionally, even to the to the point of our soul, mm-hmm. that there's there's some restoration that takes place in Sabbath, and it's almost like God says, "Look, for six days, uh, I know you're going to stress out of your mind about you need to be the general manager of the universe, mm-hmm. but on the seventh day." You can set all that aside, and I'm going to invite. But what about? I know, right? What about? <laughs> I'm inviting. But the you. world will stop turning. I know. <laughs> Who's going to water the cattle? Who's exactly. gonna... <laughs> I... I'm inviting you into rest. Yeah. I mean, and and with that rest, there's no need to fear because God promised He's going to take care of it. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, to your point a few minutes ago, Doug, in regard to. Uh, stewardship, right? That there is a result that comes with financial stewardship. I think we can look at the Sabbath in the same way, that there is a result that comes out of our willingness to set aside that 24-hour period of time hmm. and just focus our on our relationship with God, to focus on who God is and find that rest in that. And I think one of the reasons maybe we struggle with that. is isn't just because society and trying to pull us into a small, that's one of the issues I think. But the other is it really tests what we believe about God and Mm. what we believe about who we are in Christ. Mm. Do you think that there's a element of it where you were talking about, you talked about going all the way back to the beginning of the story in Genesis a minute ago. Is there an element to this? As I think about it, it feels a little bit like God has, through the Sabbath, placing a a very uh, a very merciful limit on the curse, right? I mean, the curse of Adam was that you will now toil and toil and toil, and it will be through the sweat of your brow that you're able to scratch a living from the earth. And I think we all kind of live with that feeling of anxious toil even now. And d- does it seem to you, as it seems to me, like God is using the Sabbath as a way to place a little bit of a limitation on the impact of that? I, yeah, I, and you could say that about a lot of the uh, spiritual disciplines. Mm, that's true. You know, that it's mm. a way for us to create margin. It's a way for us to create space yeah. for God, to experience Him in ways that we just can't when we're going 100 miles an hour. Yeah, just to re- restrain our heart and keep us from just working ourselves to death and, and spiraling out of control. 
God's like, once a week, just hit the brakes. <laughs> and I think that's where the effort is in this yeah. regard, that it's not, it's not passive. It takes effort to discipline your thinking, to not worry, mm. to not realize, well, gosh, I could, I could work a few hours, you know, and get, and get even better ready for Monday. And right. There's all kinds of ways to take advantage of it. In fact, the Israelites did exactly that. They took advantage of the seven year Sabbath cycles for 490 years. Mm. And Jeremiah kept, you know, in Jeremiah 23, he's preaching. He's saying, guys, this is not a good idea. You mm. better repent. You better change your thinking on yeah. this because this is going to get you in trouble. God's going to settle the ledger on you. And he did. Yep. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. Yep. So the Babylonians come and take them captive, and they were in captivity for 70 years. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. It's <laughs> be- a little bit of math. Yeah. <laughs> so it's because that's the those are the cycles that they... Um, that they uh, all the Sabbaths that they skipped, yeah. right? So they skipped seventy of those seven-year cycles. Yeah. So, you know, God, God is gracious. He's merciful. He has a really long fuse, but at some point, you reach the end of that, and He brings His discipline in yeah. play with His children, and He brings His judgment into play with those who aren't. Yeah, I think. I think it'd be helpful to just to talk a, a little bit about what a Sabbath looks like or what taking a Sabbath looks like, because I, I think as we've been talking about it, it's, you know, it's been this idea of, of, of stop doing work kind of stuff. But even if you took a whole day where you didn't work and you did other stuff, that's not necessarily a Sabbath if you are not bringing God into it, right? So right. I think what we're, I think it's important to make note that what we're talking about is, is you can have a day off where you are doing stuff with your family or doing stuff outside, but bring God, it's just, it's being intentional about bringing God into that day of non-work, yes. that day of rest. Yes. It, you're being mindful of that. You're, it's, it's an attitude. Uh, you're, you're recognizing, uh, maybe you're being more intentional about recognizing that God is with you, that he yeah. is present, that, uh, and you're, you're focusing on that maybe. And maybe that happens as a result of maybe you go to church on that day. Maybe you have a small group on that day. You know, maybe you go to, you know, a class, uh, a, a base class or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're with God's people. You're doing something that is different than your routine, or it mm-hmm. could be as simple as, Hey, we're going to go down to the beach and grab a book and an umbrella and hang out or go work in the garden or go turn a wrench on a car that I'm playing around with. I, it, yeah. Again, it's not as it's not about ceasing from any effort. Yeah. It's it's disciplining yourself to uh pay attention more intently mm-hmm. for that period of time mm-hmm. to the person and work of God. Mm. That's good. Yeah. So for somebody who's struggling with with Sabbath and and building this discipline into their life, which is pretty much anybody in a Western culture and most of the world, no doubt. I mean, I, I know for me, like my quote unquote Sabbath is basically the day that I'm not working here at Saddleback, but it's often characterized by a lot of grocery shopping, catching up on the stuff that I couldn't get done during the week because I was at work almost all those days. It's, you know, taking care of the kids. Some of it's unavoidable. Some of it's just because I haven't, I haven't built my Sabbath properly, but what are some questions that somebody can ask to kind of assess themselves if they're wrestling with this, this Sabbath discipline? Well, I think you alluded to one of them, and that is you have to have a plan. 
You have to plan to take a 24 hour period off. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't know about you, Doug, but running errands and going to the cleaners and doing yeah. groceries, that's not very Not restful. rest for my soul. Yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. doesn't recharge my batteries. Uh, so planning on that so that maybe uh, one of those days of the week, that's the day where you do that. Or maybe you take, you have five or six chores or a honeydew list and you mm. try to, you know, check those off throughout the week. So that with the intent that on Sunday yeah. I'm going to, and it doesn't have to be Sunday, but whatever your day is. Yeah. Right. At least so one in seven. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a local church pastor for 25 years. Sunday's not a day of rest for us. <laughs> not at all. And so Monday was that day. Yeah. Uh, I remember years ago, Pastor Rick would say, I don't want to take Mondays off. I feel terrible on Monday. So why do I, why, why do I want to make my Sabbath that one day where yeah. I'm completely <laughs> exhausted from all the weekend services? Right. So again, there's, there's lots of room hmm. to make this unique to you and to your needs. I think that goes right. back to Jesus' point that yeah. the Sabbath is for us. But there's, a, there's three questions, though, that I think are really important. If, uh, <clears throat> if you're having a chronic struggle with Sabbath, uh, and I think uh, you could you could ask yourself, do I really believe that God is sovereign? Mm. Do I really believe that he's in control mm. and that he's all powerful and that if I take 24 hours off, the world isn't going to fall apart? Yeah. I'm not going to be bankrupt on Monday morning, right? I'm not going to lose all the contacts that I had warming up on Friday. Mm. Uh, the second question uh is do I believe God is good? Because you can believe God is all powerful, mm. but is God good? Meaning, is he looking out for my best interests? Mm. Does he care about the details of my life? And then the third question is, do I believe that God loves me? Mm. And I think you need to answer all three of those questions because you can believe that God is sovereign, but not believe he's good and that he doesn't love you. Yeah. You can believe that God is sovereign, that he's good, but not necessarily that he loves you. Mm. But if you believe that he's sovereign, good, and that he loves you, mm. I mean, that's a slam dunk. It gets to, um, it gets to a, a different picture of God, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's moving to a place where I see God as having power over the world that I live in and seeing him, I, I really actually love um, the uh, Bible Project podcast uh, I've been listening to lately, and just really digging that. Uh, and they did a couple episodes on the generosity of God, and and this this biblical picture of God as the generous host of creation, and that all the way through you see God generously providing. He generously provides in the garden. He generously provided to Israel when they were obedient to. Him. Generously provided to 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 his people throughout history when they when they were synced up with him in covenant. And then even Jesus, who acts in a way that seems to suggest that God is this generous host and that there is enough, he will see to it that there will be enough. Um, so there's kind of like this tension, right, between seeing the world as a place, kind of a Darwinian picture of the world where it's scarcity and competition versus generous and abundance through a through a loving heavenly father can, can you talk a little bit about that scarcity mindset yeah, and how I, that plays in i like that contrast between the scarcity and generosity you know you know what's interesting as you were talking Doug. i was thinking we live out the principles we're talking about here every time we go to the grocery store mm. when you go to the grocery store you don't hoard everything that's on the shelves because yeah. 
you're afraid it's not going to be there. No, right. you just take what you need because yeah. you know tomorrow or the next day or next week you can come back and get whatever it is you need. Right. In a, so isn't it interesting that we already practice that? Mm-hmm. So are you saying that we trust in our grocers more than we trust in God? Yeah, that's an interesting point. So, this Well, and why do we trust in the grocers, right? Because every time I go, they still yes, have bell it's peppers. Still there, exactly. yeah. <laughs> it's still there. Every time I need it, it's there. Yes. And, and yet we don't apply that logic to God. We're like, nope. and it doesn't, almost doesn't matter how many times he's been there for us. That next time there's always, you know, that moment of, oh, but is it going to be there Should this I time? Like, yeah. is he going to, is yeah. he going to help me out this time? Yeah. I really think the scarcity mindset is driven by fear, hmm. largely, and distortion, distortion about who God is right? Which takes us back to, is he sovereign? Is he good? Does, is he love? And a distortion of who I am. Because if I'm his son or his daughter, and he said that he's going to care for me and provide for me, then I can trust that. Mm-hmm. And fear is never of God. Fear is of the enemy. And fear inhibits our rational thinking. Fear inhibits our creativity. It sucks our energy. Fear distorts our perspective. I mean, you know, going back to one of the podcasts we've done in the past, that fight, flight, or freeze that happens under stress hijacks our prefrontal cortex and essentially takes it offline. And until we calm down, it doesn't it doesn't come back. And so we are reacting to everything instead of responding. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to be really intentional about this. That's why I think it's a spiritual discipline, because it takes effort to think about these things, to focus on the things that we're talking about, who God is, who I am uh, in Christ. Especially if you've really habituated that anxious, fearful, you've kind of cultivated fearful responses and a fearful mind just by repetition. Exactly. That it can be really tough to start kind of digging a new groove of, all right, all right, I feel myself going that direction, but I, I know that God is my father. I know that he's generous and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to trust in that and start kind of like creating a new habit of thought. Yes. Right? Yeah. And as we talked about before, the, whatever you focus on, you move towards. Mm. And the more you repeat something over and over and over and over, over again, it does in essence, create a groove that becomes your default. So if your scarcity mindset is driven by fear and worry and anxiety and all of this, and you're constantly rehearsing that in your mind and you're thinking over and over and over and over again, well, that's going to be your default. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good to think about this relationally too, where, you know, the more time that you spend with God, then the more you get to know him and the more you trust in his faithfulness and you see it in his character and you see it live out. And then the more that uh, the deeper that that relationship goes, the more that you were, are able to say, oh, I know God's got this. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I know him. I know his faithfulness. And so the idea of taking a Sabbath or, 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 or taking time off and having, you know, that time set aside is you are more apt to trust in that because... Becomes second nature. Becomes a, a second nature. You're like, yeah. oh, it, it's, it's okay. I know God. He's got that. Exactly. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons, Jason, why God doesn't just snap his fingers every time 
uh, totally. difficulty comes our way. Mm. He's a relational being. Yeah. He doesn't want to just fix everything uh, immediately because he wants to walk with us through it. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me, in this life at least, that much of our perception of God is a result of the contrasts that we experience. So, for example, how can I know that God's my provider unless I'm never in a time of need? How can I know mm. that God's my comforter if I'm never in a time of sorrow or pain? Mm. And so many times we look at those seasons of sorrow, those seasons of pain, those seasons of need as, God, what are you doing? Are you mad at me? What, why mm. are you letting this happen to me? Yeah. Where he's like, no, I want to walk with you through this because I can be something for you in this season mm. that I can't be for you otherwise. Yeah. Mm. And you're going to see something about me and about yourself in this season that you're not going to see otherwise. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's a, we have to remember that God is, is trying to move us in a direction. He's, he's growing us with time, and that growth comes through, sometimes through strain and difficulty and challenge, just as you know, there are a million metaphors that, that we could call upon for that. But, but God is not only aiming to show himself as provider and, and loving father, but also he's trying to change us and make us into new people. Yes. And that is not always an easy process. In fact, sometimes yeah. it's a very arduous, difficult process. I think you could say there's no growth without resistance, yeah. but constant resistance breaks things down. Yeah. So, you know, we, it's, it's not a chronic thing. We need that resistance. It's like going to the gym. You know, you go to the gym and you lift weights. If all you did is lift weights 24-7, you would, your, your muscles wouldn't have time to yeah. heal. You'd be in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, and that, right. Yeah. And so essentially muscle growth, the partly is you're tearing those fibers down and as they're healing, they're creating scars. And yeah, so right. the buffed guys are just a bunch of scars. Just a lot of piled up <laughs> scar tissue, yeah. <laughs> but you're right, there's a rhythm of there's, there's, there's strain and then rest and then yes. strain and there's, there's strain, then recovery and then on. And I think there. we see that pattern play over and over and over again in God's created order. Think about, you know, uh, day, you have morning and you have evening. Mm-hmm. Think of the cycle of the tides. Think of the seasons, Yeah, you know, summer, winter, spring and fall. Uh, there's this rhythm that God has baked into his created order, mm-hmm. even in music, right? Even in the Psalms, you have that line or that word Selah. Hmm. which means to pause. And so even in music, there's these dramatic pauses. In speaking, there's pauses that that give emphasis. So rest is, it's woven into the very fiber of God's created order. Hmm. So drive home this idea, this concept of Sabbath as reminding us of our utter and total dependence on God. What's What's the message there that God is sending? I think he's sending the message that he is good Mm. and that he loves us and that we don't, as his people, we can trust that he is going to care for us, that we don't have to stress stress out about that. So if you think about the old covenant was based upon work and then Sabbath, the new covenant is essentially continual rest and then work. Mm. So it's this mindset where I don't need to strive, that I am saved by grace unto good works, mm-hmm. right? Philippians 2, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And so 
it's a way for us to discipline ourselves, to recognize our limits, that we're human beings, not human doings, that our, our, our purpose isn't just in what we can accomplish and do for God. It's, it, it needs to come out of our intimacy and our relationship with God. To me, that is such a big thing because I don't, God can accomplish what he wants to accomplish in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. He wants to do that with us, mm-hmm. not without us. He doesn't want us to do it on our own. He wants to do it with us. Mm-hmm. And that's the great invitation. And I, I am the great realization that we have such a personal God who loves us so much that he's just like, hey, let's do this together. Yeah. It's sort of like, I'm sorry, you were airing up. Don't move on to the next question, though, if that's what you're doing. Go right ahead, Doug. Okay, real quick. I, I, it, there's, um, it kind of blows up that this concept of recognizing our total dependence on God is good for those of us who tend to have like this arrogant, I can do it spirit as well. That, that those, This kind of picture of, we picture ourselves or maybe sometimes fashion ourselves um, kind of self-made people. We're out there. But the biblical picture and the logic of the text tells us there's no self-made people. <laughs> by definition, humans were made by some someone other than themselves. But even you and I had a conversation recently, Ken, about reminding ourselves of this biblical picture of God as the God who holds all things together. Everything that exists not only exists because God created it, but because God sustains its existence. So there's literally... Like you think that your work is the thing that's that's making something happen for you, but the hands you work with, the things you work on, the 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 fruit of your labor, the 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 worldwide context of your work, all of this is held together and sustained by God and God alone. There's nothing that we can point to and say, "This I have done," you know, in in a very grand sense. So I think there's a there's a real humility in this saying, "I'm not going to." I'm not going to give in to this false picture of creation that says I am somehow um, making something unto myself, that everything, even the things that I do, I can only do. Even there's a passage we talked about, um, we talked about wealth earlier. Um, Where's the passage that says, you know, um, it's God who's given you the ability to produce wealth. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's nothing that you do that you do apart from God and his sustaining. So to me, that it's like, for me at least, there's a there's a pride to this. There's a, I can do this, or what can I accomplish? But if we just sit back for a moment and say, yes, God has made us in order to do certain things because he, he he's certainly given us purposes in life and that sort of thing. But maybe I should just focus on the being and living in harmony with Christ and and living this discipleship journey, and um and let God order my steps in a way that's healthy for me and doesn't just spiral me into um, to a cycle of, of restless labor. And I think a practical way of thinking about that is to look at your shape. Mm. I think the shape acrostic is so helpful, not just in discerning God's will, not just in, uh, recognizing your purpose, Mm. but in helping you establish your pace Mm. because everybody has a different capacity. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago when I ran the LA Marathon, I learned a lot about pace and it was the result of my training and recognizing that 
you know, I'm a 200 pound six, one guy. I have limitations as a long distance runner. And so I had to realize that I have to keep my heart rate in a certain zone. I have to uh, hydrate myself in a certain way. I have to take these supplements. I have to take these packets of carbs as I'm running. Mm. And it's, it's important because on race day, when that gun goes off, you are so energized. I mean, there's thousands of people there. Everybody's all jacked up running and cheering. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I could have run my first 10 miles probably at a, an eight-minute pace. But then I would have run out of gas. And when mile 20 came up, I'd have nothing. Mm -hmm. So I kept forcing myself. And this this was just a good reminder to me of this pace because of how I am wired, how my body is, how God created my body, which again goes back to this act of worship, is living Mm -hmm. within those limitations. It's okay. That's how God created me. Uh, I'm not going to go run like some of my friends. You know, they can qualify for the Boston Marathon. That's not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could still run that race. And I learned a lot about my own limitations and pace and, and that it's okay to live within those, but still be able to enjoy, you know, enjoy the event. Yeah. Shape, by the uh, way, yeah. for anybody who, uh, is either outside Saddleback or maybe hasn't taken class through one shape is an acrostic at Saddleback that we use for helping kind of just as Kim was saying, figure out how God has made you. What, what, what? What has God made you to do, and how has He shaped you for service and, and relationship with Him? And it stands for. <laughs> I'm getting kidding, to that. Are you? <laughs> I'm getting to that. Okay. <laughs> a little preamble never hurt anybody. <laughs> uh, the S is spiritual gifts. So, what are your what what are the are the divinely given spiritual gifts that God has provided you when you when you trusted in Christ? Um, your heart. So, what do you have a passion for? What do you love? Your abilities, your natural talents, and things like that—the things that you're good at, maybe musical talent or administration or, or whatever the case may be. Your personality is P. So, what's your temperament? What what sort of uh, of attitude do you have toward the world, and and how can you apply that in ministry? And E is experiences. So, what have you gone through in the past that has made you the person you are today, and that can be used in service to Christ? Um, so, shape S H A P E. Good to know. Good job. I'm, I'm 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 glad you remembered what it was. I know. You know, sometimes I can also remember things unlike I just I, I was I was prepared to have to jump in there. Um so, so let's tie a bow on this part of the conversation before we get into doables. Um let's just talk talk a little bit about what are are, are the consequences then of not keeping a Sabbath. Yeah. I think they're pretty dire. Because I think we know the results of chronic stress, we know the results of exhaustion, leads to depression, uh, leads to irritability, it leads to uh, poor choices and decision making. Uh, over time, it just tears your body down. You know, when we live under stress, the, the stress response, the brain releases adrenaline and cortisol into our bloodstream to get us out of a jam or we put up our dukes to protect ourselves. But we weren't created to live under that chronic state. Yeah. It's supposed to be short-term burst. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, it breaks the body down over time. So I think it affects us physically. I think it affects us emotionally, right, as we, as we mentioned. And I think it affects us spiritually. Yeah. Because really, if I'm unwilling to recognize my dependency upon God and my need for rest, then I've got, some, I've got a spiritual problem that I need to address, that there are some distortions that I have about God and about who I am in Christ that I need to take a look at. Because so much of why we do what we do 
is often driven by distortions that we're not even aware of. And so the more we start asking ourselves those questions and having safe people in our life that we trust, that we can talk to about these things, uh, will, will help us identify, okay, why, why do I feel like I've got to work 24 seven? Why, mm-hmm. What's going on with that? Yeah. Well, let's talk about some doables. I want to, I want to land us, um, and hopefully you can help us with this, Ken, just What's a way that a person can – let's just speak to the person who has absolutely no habit of, of Sabbath right now. Life is just kind of – he's just kind of caught in the current of life and doesn't have any kind of structure built around this. Can you help a person like that structure a 24-hour day? Like what could it look like for a person to just sometime in the next seven days take a day and Sabbath, really Sabbath? Yeah, it might be something that would be helpful to – sneak up on as opposed to just stop all at once <laughs> to crash into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe try to weave some Sabbath moments into your day mm. where, uh, let's say you, let's say you have to, let's say you're a realtor because a lot of realtors have to work, um, 24 seven. I yeah. mean, most Evenings, entrepreneurs, weekends. you know, you got to make hay when the sun's shining because yep. you're never sure if that's going to dry up. So it's, it, it creates this mindset that, okay, you know, I'm going to work really, really hard and, you know, it's not going to always be like this and there's going to be a break at some point. But my experience is that those seasons tend to just blend into the next. So mm-hmm. maybe just to look at this going, okay, I can trust God to take care of me. He has promised me that I can take a day off and I'm going to test that and test it in some short bursts mm. that I'm going to do a couple hours here. And then next week I'll do a little bit more. Maybe it comes in my preparation. Mm. You know, that one of the ways that I can relax on my Sabbath day is that I know that everything that I've needed to do has been done. Mm. And what didn't get done, I can put off until next week. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times I think we we live under the urgent and neglect the important. Yeah. And when we stop and really reflect on is what I think is urgent, really urgent, really. And sometimes we need other people to help us think that through. If you're married, your spouse can be a good person for that. Right. If you're, uh, if you're not, then you've got some good friends in your life that you can uh, talk to about that. So it's not necessarily you have to go all or nothing that let's, let's start this. Let's start cultivating this habit and work up to it. And maybe it takes yeah. us a month of, of, you know, Sabbaths to get to the point where we can take that whole 24 hours off. Yeah. I, I really think that, that, that planning idea is, is really powerful because that can take so much of the anxiety out of it. If you just know you've, and the logic of the text, the logic of the Bible allows for that. Yeah. Collect twice as much the day before so you can take the next day off. So there's nothing yeah. wrong with it's it's it seems to me like it's better to hustle harder for yes. that sixth day than to lose the seventh day altogether. I would agree with that, yes. Yeah. So I mean if you gotta double down on days five and six so that you can have a little space on day seven, that's okay. Because the value of that day seven is so is so big in proportion to the Well, it's days. not unlike when you're getting ready to go on vacation, man, I get really efficient. Oh yeah. And there is no procrastination in my life. Yeah. 
because I know I'm going to be gone for a week or for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And some of it is a discipline that it's easier to procrastinate sometimes than it is to put a plan together and work the plan and yeah. all of that. But again, I think we need to create a rhythm here. We need to, it needs to, habits are not formed overnight. Yeah. But they are, you do have to be intentional about elements and be consistent in order to form those habits. Yeah. Good. Ken, thanks so much. This has been really helpful. And mm-hmm. I, uh, Honestly, I think both of us on this side of the table need a little work in this area. So this has been good, not just for listeners, but for us too. So thanks for making the time to come in. Uh, Anything you want to recommend? Any any books that come to mind that are helpful on this or anything like that that you might might suggest? Yeah, a couple that I've enjoyed recently. Uh, One is by a guy named Mark Buchanan called The Rest of God. Mm. And it's an old book. I mean, well, old. He wrote it like 2009, so it's not like it's a classic. But (laughs) Mark is a gifted writer and has a really unique perspective mm. on that. And then the other is called Soul Feast by uh, Marjorie Thompson. And she talks through, there's like six or seven different spiritual exercises or spiritual disciplines that she talks through. One of them is on the Sabbath. Mm. And uh, her chapter on Sabbath and fasting really work well together. Mm. And so she brought some things up in fasting that I'd never thought about before. There's mm. like, wow, this is really strong, which mm. goes back to embracing our limitations and reflecting on God as our provider and all of that, mm. which I think is super helpful. Yeah, I didn't even think of fasting. That's another one. Man, that theme is just every mm-hmm. which way in the Bible. <laughs> every which way. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we need to do a podcast <clears throat> on fasting. Yeah. I'd love to. Fasting is not just that. an opportunity to lose weight. There's something yeah. else going on there, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh man, and the science. Oh, the gosh, the science about fasting that's coming out now is just. Yeah. Oh, I love it when the Bible was right all along. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ken. Thanks for making time for us. Great being with you guys. All right, listeners. Thanks for 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 checking in this week. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.